Hyper-Bitcoinization is defined by the Nakamoto Institute as, quote, a voluntary transition from an inferior currency to a superior one, and its adoption is a series of individual acts of entrepreneurship rather than a single monopolist that games the system. The best in Bitcoin made audible. I am Guy Swan, and this is Bitcoin Audible. What is up, guys? Welcome back to Bitcoin Audible. I am Guy Swan, and we are here to learn all the Bitcoin things. And we're going to have a little bit of fun today. We are going to extrapolate and pontificate and talk about our glorious Bitcoin future a little bit. And uh, and also talk about how scary that shit's going to be. Um, <laughs> we are reading a short piece today. Uh, but it really touches on the chaos that could be hyper-Bitcoinization and uh, what it means, when does it happen, and are we prepared? Uh, as a returning author and good friend Knutz von Holm, uh, this piece was published on Citadel 21, Volume 2. Um, and this is actually really old. You'll actually know, well, really old. It's May of last year, so it was just before we were getting into the bull market. Um, and, uh, like right around this tomb. So it's about a year old now. And you'll notice that when he kind of mentions price at the uh, beginning of it and where we are in the stage of things, but I thought it would be really fun to revisit it now, a, a year later and B also right in the middle of this rather epic bull run. Um, before we get into it though, you got to make sure you are holding your own keys. It's the best, it's the best way to be secure and you need a hardware wallet now rather than later. Grab a BitBox, uh, the BitBox O2. Uh, it's affordable, and not only that, you, if you use discount code GUY, G-U-Y, not hard to remember, you get 5% off everything in your cart. Um, and I do recommend the Bitcoin-only BitBox O2 version. I'm a fan of, you know, does fewer things, lower attack surface kind of thinking, but you do you. Um, again, GUY, G-U-Y, gets you 5% off. Then, of course, you got to always be stacking. Even with your instant buys and your random stacks, make sure you have an automatic savings plan backing it all up. SwanBitcoin.com slash guy. Make sure you add slash guy and you'll get $10 in free sats just for starting your plan. Get paid to do your future self the best favor that you could do your future self. And then you get it sent straight to your BitBox automatically. Automatic savings, automatic withdrawal. It, it's hard to beat. SwanBitcoin.com slash guy. With that, let's get into today's article and then follow up with a guy's take. And this one is titled, You Are Not Prepared by Knut Svanholm. You are not prepared. Cried the super villain-esque demon hunter Illidan Stormrage in the trailer to World of Warcraft's first expansion, The Burning Crusade, about a decade ago. The company behind the massively multiplayer online role-playing game, Blizzard Entertainment, certainly seemed underprepared for the steep rise in subscriptions to the game that ensued during the following couple of years. The game's servers were full, and players experienced lag and login issues for months. 
At its peak, World of Warcraft had around 12 million subscribers, a larger population than that of Norway, Denmark, and Iceland combined. It also had the largest in-game economy of any virtual world, and entire floors of skyscrapers in China were dedicated to companies consisting of gold farmers who sold the in-game currency on black markets across the globe. Blizzard, acting as the World of Azeroth's central bank, soon took measures to prevent this kind of behavior and started to ban accounts that didn't comply with their rules. Later on, they also tweaked the game mechanisms and made in-game gold less important and thus less valuable to the players. Now, what has all of this got to do with Bitcoin? First of all, the in-game economy of World of Warcraft provides us with a perfect metaphor for how central bankers dictate the behaviors of an economy's participants. They have immense powers and can use them whenever they see fit to change people's lives by tampering with incentives. Blizzard would probably have let its in-game markets run free if it weren't for all the regulations that affected their ability to profit from what many countries deemed to be illicit transactions with the gold farmers. They also wanted to stay in charge of their own creation, just like nation-states do, because that's what they are, creations. A nation is just an idea, nothing more, nothing less. Ideas can be very powerful. These things aside, the outcry of Mr. Stormrage, you are not prepared, could be a warning to all of us Bitcoiners too. We are just about to enter another bull market, and price predictions are many and diverse. Some people think we're headed towards the sub $3,000 levels once again before the bull run begins. Others say that we can expect levels like $40,000, $100,000, or even higher than that. But there's one possible scenario which most of us haven't even dared to consider. What if the next bull run triggers hyperbitcoinization? Hyperbitcoinization is defined by the Nakamoto Institute as, quote, a voluntary transition from an inferior currency to a superior one, and its adoption is a series of individual acts of entrepreneurship rather than a single monopolist that games the system. In other words, it is the event where the advantages of Bitcoin become undeniable, and everyone wants to get a piece of the world's first digital pie before it's too late. A FOMO cycle of an unprecedented magnitude. An event never before seen in history. An event which will render every other currency mostly useless. It sounds far-fetched, but there is a chance that the next Bitcoin bull run is the tipping point. The third block subsidy halving is behind us, and it now takes the network about 90 seconds to create a single new Bitcoin. This means that the entire world will have to fight for this new Bitcoin for at least one and a half minutes before there's another one to fight for. No one knows what this really means, but it could mean the end of the world as we know it and the dawn of a new era. If the fear of missing out on Bitcoin starts to scare institutional investors and nation-states, we will see a prisoner's dilemma type of game play out before our eyes. An event so bizarre that it's almost impossible to imagine what it will look like. Imagine the price of a Bitcoin doubling every week. 10,000 US dollars, 20,000, 40,000, 
80,000, 160,000, 320,000, 640,000, 1 million, 2 million, 4, 8, 16, and so on. At first, you'll be very happy that your Bitcoins now equal a sum of money large enough to pay off your entire mortgage. But what happens when they're able to buy you a small city? When they can buy you not only friends, but armies? When you realize that you're richer than, say, Tibet? You are not prepared. First of all, in a scenario as bizarre as hyper-Bitcoinization, it is extremely important that you not only own your own private keys and a couple of hardware wallets, but that you run your own full node. You will first and foremost need to secure your coins, and in order to do that, you'll need to read up on a lot of things, and you'll need to start right now. Secondly, you'll need to be mentally prepared so that you won't do anything stupid. Not only that, but you should probably read up on what a massive increase in wealth can do to the human psyche. Sadly, the transition to a Bitcoin-denominated world has a high probability of being quite violent. The powers that be won't give up their stranglehold on the planet easily, and you will run a risk of being caught off guard. You are not prepared. Whatever your hyper-Bitcoinization plan may be doesn't matter much as long as you have a plan. You should think about these things before they happen. A clever first step is probably to try to get to know some Bitcoiners. We're a very friendly and helpful bunch, as long as you don't start asking about shitcoins. There are a lot of Bitcoiners out there, and the more of them you know, the higher the likelihood that your Bitcoins will help you when faced with a new paradigm. After the inevitable recession, or even depression, that will follow in the wake of the pandemic whose name you shall not even utter, people's faith in their governments may be forever damaged to the degree where they will start to seek alternative solutions. One such alternative is Bitcoin, and there's a high likelihood that Bitcoin might be your only option. The Citadels will open their gates to those their inhabitants deem worthy, and knowing a couple of Bitcoiners will certainly help. We are many, and we love voluntary cooperation. As the character Peter Littlefinger Baelish from Game of Thrones said when the show was still watchable, Chaos isn't a pit. Chaos is a ladder. Many who try to climb it fail and never get to try again. The fall breaks them. Others are given a chance to climb but refuse. They cling to the realm or the gods or love. Illusions. Only the latter is real. The climb is all there is. Don't trust, verify. You are not prepared. But you could be, to a certain extent at least. Good short little piece, uh, but uh, let's hit our sponsor real quick, and then I want to talk a little bit about hyper-Bitcoinization and this cycle. The absolute best way to be prepared is to have Bitcoin. Is to not wait around and hope that there's a good time to get in or put it off until tomorrow. Start an automatic savings plan with Swan Bitcoin and you, you do that once and you are just stacking. You are saving Bitcoin constantly. For the number of my friends and family and people around me who have said, oh, I was going to buy last week, but I was going to set it up this time, but 
and then six months went by and now the price is 10 times higher and they're like, ah, I wish I had done blah, blah. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. Just set it up. You set it up one time and it will just keep running and you don't even have to do a ton. Whatever you can afford at whatever frequency. You want to buy it every day, every week, every month. Doesn't matter. You pick and you pick the amount. You pick how frequently and it does it automatically. And you get $10 free just for signing up. So $10 in sats by going to swanbitcoin.com slash guy. And you will have done your future self a wonderful favor. So let's talk a little bit about hyper-Bitcoinization. So one of the interesting things about this, about the tipping point, you know, Kunit talks about that in this piece, is like, what is, is this bull market going to be the tipping point and now that we're kind of part way through this bull market here um or at least like we've you know solidly gotten into it which is funny he he like speculates oh it might go to forty thousand dollars this time it's like something that people are um you know using as like a totem and it was so funny how quickly and kind of uneventfully it went to forty thousand dollars like this bull market has seemed incredibly subdued so far and I honestly still think um, it's I'm a little shocked at how closely it's following the stock to flow model. Like if you actually look at that chart uh, specifically because for a couple of different reasons, it's because the the run so far has been really sharp, even though it feels like not a whole lot has happened. Like I don't feel like and somehow Bitcoin feels the same as it did now at $56,000 or whatever, as it did when it was at 10,000. Whereas when Bitcoin went from 200 up to 20,000, it felt like things were absolutely insane. I feel like not a whole lot has changed um, uh, in this bull run. Uh, and that's why I think it's not over. Like not only is it not over, like we've, we've just dipped our toe in the water here. Um, and the fact that it's following the stock to flow so closely is funny because I think the stock to flow model is going to be supremely undervaluing uh, Bitcoin as we get through this next cycle. I actually, I mean, maybe it is, maybe the equilibrium price lands at about $100,000, but I just don't think so. Um, the amount of capital that... Um, could potentially be allocated with the phase of Bitcoin that we are moving into, with Bitcoin as something on treasury balance sheets, and basically where every fund manager, every insurance company is trying to hedge against potentialities and movements in the financial markets. All the retirement accounts are trying to adjust for like volatility and very very shaky ground in the financial system and then you have tens of trillions hundreds of trillions of dollars looking for yield in the bond mark of the bond markets which are just garbage i just don't see i i just don't see how it stops there for three years four years um maybe it does you know maybe it does like the let's let's go ahead and make the case for why this isn't hyper bitcoinization so I'll start off by the knowledge gap. The knowledge gap is huge. 
there are still so many people who have not the slightest clue as to why Bitcoin is valuable. And getting, getting that frame of reference, I think, is incredibly difficult. So if somebody buys in now at 50-some thousand dollars and then it goes to 200,000, I can see them getting scared, selling, it drops to $100,000 because so many of the hands that are now here in the space simply have no idea what the hell is going on. They're here because it's going up, right? Like that's, that's what it is. And if they are afraid and they think it's not going to go up anymore, well then, you know, the price will end up crashing and it will have to be the actual producers. It'll have to be the, you know, the diamond hands, the, the base of this market, the new converts who understand what Bitcoin is truly get its value proposition and that it is a better money who will lay out that floor for us. Then again is you have technology barriers. You have a limit on how many people can learn and understand how to hold their own keys. How many people can actually be onboarded into higher layers as they are right now in their current state of development. Like in the same way that, you know, the internet started to really attack the base infrastructure. Units, Unix started taking over the back end of all of the internet long before, you know, end user devices were really constantly connected to the internet. You know, that transition took 20 years, 30 years to really, I guess, I guess more like 20 years from like kind of the 90s at the birth of the web browser in like 94, 95, whatever it was. Um, and then that transition from realizing the potential of the internet uh, and then, you know, 20 years later, basically the mobile revolution uh, back in like kind of starting around the 2010s and a little bit after that is really when the consumer face of the internet was so easy that everyone was on it. Um, and that has actually been rather recent um, where it moved out of the desktop computer uh, techie, like you had to know how to use a computer to anyone who, like, like if you have a phone, it's a smartphone now, like period. And that transition from just having TCP IP, from having the internet be the back end to prop up and make all of the existing systems better as it starts to disrupt, as new companies come in and start to take share from incumbents that have been around for 80 years, 100 years, um, and that transition starts to take place. It happens behind the scenes first. And then as time goes on, you just have whole generations that grow up and think rather than needing to know the value proposition of the Internet or of Bitcoin, Bitcoin just is and always has been. And the value proposition will be easy because it'll be there are two monies. Bitcoin obviously is one of them. It's been here since I was born. and. Bitcoin is reliable, it's trustworthy, and then here's this other crap that is just political, it's a mess, it's corrupt. Like, why do I, why, who the hell is gonna, like, look what it's done to the economy. Look at the debts. Look at the unbelievable lack of growth and the stagnation in the dollar economy. Look at the explosive Bitcoin economy. Look at how fast it's growing. Look at how robust it is. Look at how over-collateralized it is then it will be a no-brainer. You don't have to explain it to them. It simply is the truth. It simply is the reality of their world. But a boomer, they're going to be like, it's not physical. 
And they're just not like they're going to you're going to have to argue with them about what the nature of money is, which just puts you. It means that your first trip is into the deep, vast cavern, like the, the canyon of ignorance of the average person's understanding of money. And you basically have to start reading them textbooks of <laughs> what the hell money is, why it exists and all of this stuff. It's such a difficult thing to grasp. And the biggest hurdle is that people have no clue how ignorant they are of it. They think they know what money is because they use money, but they actually, there's absolutely no informing knowledge. There's no base of knowledge that tells them anything other than what they know about their own money, their characteristics they can describe of their own money. It's a thing that I hold. It's run by a government. It's got a, it's got a monetary operator and manager. And if it's not got those things, then obviously it's broken and it's not money. That, that's the whole, that, that encompasses basically the entire idea. And that is literally what most people think about money. So because those are huge hurdles, right? Those are huge transitional things like one of them is a generational transition and the other is a just a significant knowledge gap for solid adoption for that that floor of adoption so that's that's kind of my case for and then obviously there's the technological is the protocol is not ready for every end user to basically have their own interface their own decentralized non-custodial way to interface with the system. We are still in TCP IP when people are trying to figure out how to, like people are literally arguing about whether or not we should put media on the internet because everything gets too slow and it doesn't work. And there's no way that, you know, 20 million people can log into this website and download it if it's got two pictures on it. Like that was a thing, you know, like there was a time where you were making a graphical website was a huge freaking problem and you just want to dumb it all down to text so that it actually runs smoothly. So with those in mind, we can have another, we can easily have another one or two cycles. Um, and uh, granted, I think that the new technology shift will happen much faster. You know, the internet didn't have the internet in a sense, like the infrastructure for better internet was physical. The infrastructure for better Bitcoin is digital. You know, Lightning Network is not a is not a physical solution. It is a digital contract. It is it is a piece of software. It is new cryptographic protocols on top of Bitcoin in order to make Bitcoin work better. Now, it is far more meticulous. Like the engineering is very very. Um, tight, I guess you could say. It's, it's, it requires far more attention and it is slower than building something like a web app. So it's not, it's not going to move at quite the speed of normal software, but obviously it can move a whole hell of a lot faster than running physical lines, you know, running a fiber line all the way across the United States in, an, in an order to get higher bandwidth and more allocation for actual things like graphics on the internet. It's a whole different game, obviously. So I think a 10-year timeline for the technology hurdle um, isn't so far out of the question. The more minds you get on it, the more builders, uh, the quicker those problems will get solved. And a couple of bull runs, like a couple of cycles, can seriously change the game on 
just the ideas in the space. You know, we could have another, we could, like, I, I liken the Lightning Network sort of in its original um, announcement, maybe, um, as a little bit of a black swan event. Like, it was, it was just a huge shift in how to think about scaling uh, at the time. Maybe Black Swan is a little bit too far because, you know, we'd already talked about payment channels. Um, but at least for me, it was brand new. Um, I, I didn't know much about that whole layered thinking, to be perfectly honest. Um, and so Lightning Network was a really big deal for me. And it, like, completely changed the game in how to think of Bitcoin's future. That could completely happen again. You know, with Taproot and any prevout um, and... Schnorr and all of these new things coming to the base layer of Bitcoin, we could end up with some new model that we've just not even considered. Something that's just profoundly different and has a capacity or uh, some sort of benefit, particularly from the scaling perspective, that we had not yet foreseen. Now, here's the problem with those timelines, though, is, um, and Knut talks about this as well, is that when you start reaching a certain threshold, if this was just software, if this was merely a, you know, people adopting a code and a platform and a system or something, then I would be more inclined to think that that's a more reasonable perspective. But this is money. This is value. And when this thing begins to become, like, enter into a $5 trillion, $10 trillion asset, and it begins to make waves, when Bitcoin goes up, other things fall. And that reality becomes more and more obvious. The FOMO could be out of this world. Y you know, like, usually, like, very much gradually, then suddenly. And particularly the case of fiat right now is so bad. The state of the fiat monetary system is in such shambles that a $5 trillion push could literally take the thing down. Like it will fall under its own weight eventually and there will need to be an exit valve and it will be a mess because like I've said technologically, Bitcoin is still not ready to house the entire world like we're going to be stress test on top of stress test on top of stress test in the event of that certain thing i mean the bull run is already is already pushing things to its limits but it's going to it's going to get orders of magnitude worse it's going to be stupid and the value dynamics the game theory dynamics of a good money with a bad money when or in, in an environment with bad monies even before this is something that could ever be fully adopted from a technological sense, from a user uh, sense, it could absolutely, could absolutely consume the value underlying our current systems. And it could actually prop up the banks, the institutions, a lot of the things that are happening now based on their speed of putting it as their foundation. Like their adoption, like so take back to take it back to the Unix example with the internet, is that the issue isn't merely that we're trying to get people to adopt the internet. It's that the analog phone system 
might just go up in flames any day. So if the internet phone system started to go up in flames, everybody who started to switch some of their back end over to internet infrastructure suddenly are actually able to continue to do business and their communications still work. Their business deals still go through. Their customers are still able to reach them. Whereas everybody who is completely isolated, stuck on the phone network or the analog networks, now has nothing. Their entire business models are collapsing. They're burning down with the network. And then the scramble to get the infrastructure after the phone system is burning is, you know, it raises the cost of computers and everything that they would need to get plugged into the internet a hundredfold in a matter of a couple of weeks because everybody is having to do it all at once. That is the potential situation when we're talking about hyper-Bitcoinization, when we're talking about the potential collapse and implosion of the fiat system that is very much starting to unravel right now. I mean, look at just the basic inflation. I literally think we're somewhere at 10 to 20% in, by any reasonable standard. And as someone who is trying to do work on the house right now to take advantage of the low interest rates, I can say construction materials is way, way worse than that. It's unbelievable how bad it is, particularly like in some isolated markets. And if that happens, if that unfolds, you know, Knut said it best, or Illidan, whoever, you are not prepared. Um, like, it's going to be a shitstorm. And the value of basic understanding, what the hell is an address? How do I use this wallet? Is going to be astronomical. Everybody who is getting into Bitcoin now is going to have a responsibility probably to answer a thousand people's questions about this. You know, it's not merely that you're adopting Bitcoin to protect your own future and have an enormous investment potential in a once-in-a-lifetime monetary monetization event. That's all great and good, and that's absolutely true. Having gotten in when you did, having been here already, the simple knowledge of what the hell is going on here and how to make sense of any of this is going to be unbelievably valuable. I mean, that's why I'm doing this full time, because I think this is the most valuable thing that I can do. And when either the fiat shit hits the fan or the, the Bitcoin FOMO, uh, you know, catches fire... Not having a backlog, not having these questions already answered to help direct people to, like, I know I'm not going to be able to handle it. I know. I know I'm not prepared. I'm trying to be, and there's a lot that I can do for it, but I remember how crazy it was in 2017. And the people who think this bull run is over now, like, I just giggle when I read those tweets. This, I, I mean, we, we legit have not begun. Like, like we, all we did was knock, like, kick off the kickstand, and now we're starting to pedal. That is where we are. I'm very much inclined to think that, uh, that the stock-to-flow model is going to break this time. Whether that means that we have another cycle or not, like, I don't think that necessarily, like, the stock-to-flow is just a model, right? 
Um, so I, I don't think that means in any way that we're not going to have another cycle. It's just that that cycle might be really far out of the model. It might not at all be what we are estimating it to be. Um, and I think it's just because the breadth of the market, when a bank can't make a fiat transaction, or fiat literally cannot hold its own unless it is being backed by Bitcoin, the black hole, the effect on Bitcoin's value that can multiply so unbelievably quickly as people need to hedge just to have some strong footing of value as everything starts to go like a house of cards. And again, remember the Bitcoin supply is perfectly inelastic. There is no changing how quickly or on the schedule itself for how many Bitcoins are created and uh, how long that is going to take, it barely moves of any, it self-corrects so that if it does move, it, it unmoves itself. <laughs> you know, the difficulty adjustment keeps that stable. It is perfectly inelastic. The only thing that can adjust to people either FOMOing in or mass exiting from fiat is the price of Bitcoin. So anything that you do now, anything that you, you do to start preparing yourself will cost you one one hundredth of what it would cost if you wait until that day comes. If you don't have a hardware wallet now, get one. If you haven't at least started to tinker with Lightning, do it. Even if it's just a service, even if it's just Blue Wallet, Custodial, or Strike, which I love both of those services. I use them constantly. Just get familiar with it. Send a payment. Um, receive a payment. I'll, I'm, I'm actually meaning to set up a faucet on uh, BitcoinAudible.com. It's not there yet. Um, I'm working on some stuff on the back end, hopefully so that people can start tinkering around with this stuff, and I'm really excited about it. Um, but I want to have it so that people can use Lightning. People can get some free sats by going to the website. So the, you know, first... 50 people that go and check out the show notes when it's posted or something like that, whatever, just something stupid, uh, just for the sake of people being able to use it, people being able to play around with it. Because I think doing that now is immensely valuable. Learning what you can now, getting prepared to be able to answer the questions, making sure you hold your own keys before we have a spike in fees that goes to 200 freaking dollars a transaction. And like Kunit said, getting to know a couple of Bitcoiners. You know, get people in your, like, tribes matter, right? Like, you need a community. Go to a local meetup. Just once. Just once or twice. Just so that you can know somebody in your area who does the Bitcoin thing and has the same mindset about the potential future and the potential risks and all the craziness that might unfold. Go meet them so that you can know them by name and you can pick them out in a crowd. You have no idea how valuable that might be one day. And obviously, the more people you know, the more likely you're going to get in a citadel. <laughs> uh, so, um, uh, that'll, that'll probably do it. Just make sure you get, you know, you hold your own keys. Um, you know, do your, do the, make sure you got a Bitbox. Make sure you got a hardware wallet. Um, I, I genuinely do really like the Bitbox, but get whatever hardware wallet you want. But if you're new, I do recommend the Bitbox. 
and of course stack with swan bitcoin get yourself a get yourself a plan you probably already have one i know uh, most of you probably do out there but uh, as many times and as many ways as you can buy automatically wins so don't forget to just like put guy everywhere so slash guy on swanbitcoin.com and guy in the discount code for bitbox or whatever so they know i sent you and they get a thanks for you know helping out the show keeping bitcoin audible alive but it's gonna get crazy it's gonna get crazy um and anybody who didn't live through or you know has a poor memory of 2017 or maybe maybe you got in in 2017 so you weren't didn't see how it shifted you know what it was like when bitcoin was still just like 150 bucks or 80 bucks and just kind of boring in the the bear market and everybody was like depressed like and if you talked about it you were just part of a ponzi scheme and all this stuff and then just how insane the shift was towards the end of 2017 um like it was like night and day uh, and that fervor that incredible excitement um just isn't anywhere anywhere near like the fact that you know Lindsay Lohan has tweeted about like somebody somebody's talking about the other day because Lindsay Lohan tweeted about it that's the top and I'm like dude that was the top of the 2017 bull run that's that's just step one of the 2021 bull run I promise you so get prepared do something and make sure make sure you're doing something every week to learn something new um you know withdraw bitcoin from your you know get rid of as many ious as possible and hold to your own keys play around with lightning all those great things so um and you know feel free to ask me questions like right now it's still easy for me to answer my dms so hit me up on twitter and uh you know i'm around with that i just wanted to share that i will be speaking at the bitcoin 2021 conference and my conversation or my presentation is going to be um, very much more specifics and a deeper dive into what exactly I mean about how the how Bitcoin is going to creep into the current system and basically take it over from the inside and what I think that might look like. So uh, if you don't want to miss it, if you want to see it live and you want to hang out and get a drink, um, I'm probably going to be uh, non-sober for the majority of the trip. Um, so uh, hit me up, come to Bitcoin 2021, and uh, I'll see you there. I'll try to keep up with my messages uh, and see as many people as I can. With that, thank you guys so much for listening to Bitcoin Audible. I am Guy Swan, and I am out. Until next time, everybody, take it easy, guys. This has been a 111 production, and you are listening to Bitcoin Audible on the Crypto Economy Network.